Hello, business builders. Welcome to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we interview founders of America's fastest growing companies. Our mission is to arm you with the tools and the confidence to scale your own venture. So to that end, every now and then, we gladly welcome a non-founder leader, thinker, or influencer to help you do just that. I'm Drew McClure. My co-host is Jordan Mitchell, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Our guests today are Brandon Ellison and Casey Watkins, co-founders of Symmetry Financial Group. The story of Symmetry Financial Group begins in 2009, where Brandon and Casey, young friends who had been in the insurance world, had had enough and then had an idea. What if they could do it differently? What if they could do it better? And they did. They met another, uh, another man named Brian Pope, who became a partner and a mentor early on to help them take this idea and launch it to what it is today. You see, they realized there were only two options that you could attain in the world they came from. One, backbreaking work with little pay, or two, tons of money with no time to enjoy it. So, the three revolutionized the insurance sales process by bringing the best leads, the best products, and the best sales development training all under one roof what we call Symmetry Financial Group. Now, for us, this holds a special place. They have been utilizing and have hired Jordan and I as coaches for the last several years inside their organization. We've got to see up close their value for personal development, for giving away with radical generosity what others would hold into, hold on to out of a scarcity mindset. And we've seen that pay dividends as their company has grown from $3 million to now knocking on the door of $100 million. And they have also been recognized on the Inc. 5000 four years in a row and was even awarded by Entrepreneur Magazine in 2017 and 2018 for having a top culture. We love these guys. We love this company. And we think you are going to be super inspired by what they built and how they did it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're joined by Brandon and Casey, founders of Symmetry Financial Group. So, um... Man, one, what a crazy time to meet you guys in here in the middle of a, of a quarantine, right? For sure. Are we both in our home offices here? Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, we're, uh, we're actually lucky. We, all of our um, employees are, are working remotely from home. So uh, Casey and I are still able to, to come into our office because we've got, uh, you know, maybe 10,000 square feet and two of us. So, so a little yeah. more than six <laughs> feet of distance. You're all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's awesome uh well here's where i'd love to start with us today uh just to give us a little context of where this journey began and your kind of zero to five thousand journey from idea to an actual reality to one of america's fastest growing companies give us just a little insight into the series of events that led to even the idea and the starting uh, of symmetry financial group yeah sure um well, I think it, it started, both of us kind of got our insurance licenses uh, probably around the same time, 2001-ish. Uh, I had just moved to, to Asheville, North Carolina from Colorado prior to, uh, or, or right after graduating from the University of Alabama, um, and really didn't have any idea what, what I wanted to do in my life. All I knew is I want to be an accountant, and that's, that's the degree I got, so uh, <laughs> my parents were really pleased with that. Um, but moved here and answered a newspaper ad, got into the insurance business. Uh, shortly after that, inter joined a company that, that Casey was already a part of. I guess Casey had joined that company maybe a month or two before I did. Hmm. And so we kind of yep. came business uh, together. We were with that company for seven or eight years uh, and just um, became really good friends. 
and learned a lot together, uh, not only about how to sell and, and how to be an insurance agent, but uh, also how to, how to run a business, how to operate a business. Um, so that was all the way through uh, October of 2009 when we left that company and started Symmetry. Not only did we learn a lot about how to run a business and how to be a good salesperson, we learned a lot about how not to do things. Sure. Uh, people, I think, probably go through that with, with prior companies. And so um, yeah. we just always had a connection, Casey and I did, uh, from early on uh, that when we started getting to know each other. We would always attend meetings together. and We weren't really in the same, on the same team, per se, um, but just always had a, a really good connection. And when things kind of fell apart there, we, uh, it, was, it was a natural fit for us to, to try to do something that wasn't being done in the industry at that point. Yeah, so take me into that. You're working there together at, at an insurance company. What I'm always curious at the moment, is there a, a, a series of moments or a light bulb moment where you think I can do this ourselves or we see a differentiation that we could innovate in? Like, what was that like for you guys? What, would, what led to not just working for another insurance company but starting your own? Yeah, Casey, okay, so I'll let you take that one. I, I would definitely say that yeah. there series of moments. There were, there were a lot of things that we learned over that, that time period. I would say so too. Um, definitely a series of, of moments, you know, it started off well. Um, it was a great sales position. Um, there was, you know, balanced leadership at the top of the company for us to, for us to follow. And, um, it was a, it was a good, it was a good model until it wasn't until the balance shifted at the top and things just went off the rails. And it was just a series of kind of business changes that continued to, to draw Brandon and I closer together in that process. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a series of events, but we, you know, I wouldn't say we ever, uh, especially when things were good, Brandon, we're dreaming of like, we should do this on our own. You know, it wasn't until, we were really forced into a position to say, Hey, this, this is not going to be where we're going to plant our flags. Like we're, we're kind of forced to either stay here in an environment that we don't agree with in a direction that we don't agree with, which we weren't going to do, um, or make a change. And, you know, that was a scary moment. I think Brandon, you, you and I kind of remember, I remember the day, you know, and we said, we've got to, we've got, we have to leave. We have to do something different. And uh, like Brandon said earlier, the good news is, is we learned a lot of great things about how to do it, but we also learned a lot of really important lessons on what not to do and how to keep the thing uh, on the rails. Yep. No, I, I remember Casey, uh, I remember Casey saying that. I remember, I remember that conversation. You know, you say, mm -hmm. I said, what are you thinking? He said, can't do this anymore. And I was like, I knew you were going to say that, man. <laughs> I, I knew it yeah. too. There's so much uh, kind of fear and uncertainty. I mean, you got to think this is October of 2009. Oh, yeah. Right after the 2008 crash. Yeah, we were focused on um, mortgage protection <laughs> at the worst, <laughs> time, you know, when, when uh, mortgages are not being financed any longer. And so I, I guess luckily for us, we didn't, we didn't watch the news much. And so we didn't know the severity of it. But uh, I remember having that conversation very well and thinking it is really the only decision that we can make. And, um, man, there was certainly some fear around that for yeah. sure. Yeah. And relief as well. And a lot of it guys had to do with, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the, um, the series of events all had to do with really a, a fundamental kind of 
philosophy change um, about profitability. And, uh, you know, we, we were hiring and managing teams of, of other insurance agents. And, uh, you know, we, we needed it to be profitable for them. You know, we were just a reflection of the health of our organization. And uh, a lot of the model was changing where it just really was really hard for new people to come onto our teams, come on our, into our organization and actually make a good living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that just, it gets hard to sleep at night when you're not able to make the kind of impact you want to make with your team. And that's, that's really, everything had to do with, with, with that for yeah. us, you know, in person, um, you know, both of us were upside down, you know, what, what it happened overnight, uh, you know, I mean, literally within six yeah. months, both, both of us trying to kind of hang on to this business, uh, found ourselves over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And, um, it just was like an avalanche that we, we didn't know what else we were going to do. It's really the only thing that we'd done in our professional lives. And, um, we knew it was time to make a change because if not, we, we were going to be out of business, but also we just couldn't, couldn't stay there based around, you know, based on the thing that were going on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jordan here, one of my, uh, curious things that, you know, I've known you guys for a few years and gotten to hear this story in, in different ways. Uh, one of the things I'm kind of curious about is why, why you two found each other? Like what drew you together? Cause there was multiple people that you could have had this same conversation with. Why was it Casey? Why was it Brandon? Like what actually made you guys fast friends, made you guys kind of prospective business partners and not yeah. somebody else. Why didn't you have that conversation? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think we were um, both lucky enough to, you know, have, we were in the same area, both in Asheville, we, we uh, mm-hmm. meetings and that sort of thing. But um, you know, I always just appreciated Casey's sense of humor. Uh, we, we laughed a lot together, even when things weren't going great. Um, we shared a lot of the same views on uh, just how we wanted to run our organizations and what we wanted for our people, what we wanted for our families and that sort of thing. So it just seemed to be a natural fit from, from day one. I mean, I think part of that, Casey, came from the organization that we were in. Uh, when we both came in, there was three of us having these meetings every week and we would sit at a kitchen table and that was our, our sales meetings. And so we got to know each other, uh, up close pretty quickly, you know? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And there's, you know, certainly a level of respect that, um, you know, mutual respect that, that, you know, that I had for Brandon, the way he kind of ran his, his, his team, his business, his, his, uh, you know, what was important to him and what was important to his wife, Meredith, and it, it aligned with, um, with Sarah and I, and I think it's, it's a, partnerships are really difficult a lot of times, you know, um, to find that, that, uh, that partner that you can work with that has a lot of the same values, um, and you work well together. And, um, uh, you know, Brandon always, because we, we were very similar, I think, personality types, um, and had a lot of similar, uh, likes, you know, just outside of business, uh, you know, I think it was a natural fit for us. Yeah. yeah, we always had a healthy um, competition going with each other too. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's a great salesperson. I mean, I learned more from from Casey than I did our my, my manager. Um, and you know, one week I would come in and he beat me by a couple of apps. The next week I'd come in and I'd, I'd have him by an app or two. And so there was always yeah. this forth that built uh, this healthy competition, yeah. but also this this uh, level of respect for each other that 
you know, not only mm -hmm. do we have a lot of things in common and we think the same way, we're both pretty good at, at selling insurance at that time. And so I think there's a lot of respect there. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's fun hearing that. Cause you know, this is the same way I feel and hopefully Jordan feels reciprocated with me starting a company together. Um, mm -hmm. but we, we, we professionally dated for the last year and a half, you know, we've been friends since college, but you, you just hear too many bad stories about going into business with friends and that not going well. Um, and so we really wanted to do projects together and, uh, thank you, by the way, Symmetry was a place that I got to do some projects with him and to see, does this work well? We know we work well as friends, but can we work well in business? Uh, and I would say the same things, mutual respect, uh, respect of skill, you know, that chemistry, uh, trust, similar values, that kind of thing goes a long way. So one more question before we leave kind of this pre-launch part of the story. Uh, Brandon, you actually said uh, earlier that there was no other option, which I can understand the sentiment, uh, but it's, you know, here's where my question is. That's not actually true because the other option, unless I'm, I, I don't understand the circumstances, would be to go work for somebody else, mm -hmm. right? So why, like, why not go work for somebody else? What led you to say, I'm not going to just switch companies. I'm actually going to start my own and take on the burden and the responsibility of, of this, this thing I want to see happen. Like wh why, why, why start your own company? It's such a good question. You know, um, what we wanted wasn't out there. We could have gone to work for other companies, but the model that we wanted to create, um, with kind of the multiple, multiple dimensions and the multiple levels of, of, uh, of salespeople, it wasn't out there. Um, it didn't exist. And we looked and we called several insurance companies, um, asking for recommendations, you know, because we were in a little bit of a bubble. We didn't know what was out there, but we did a lot of research. And, we, and like Casey said earlier, it never was in our, in our uh, hearts and minds to say, you know, we're going to come in here and learn all this stuff and one day go start our own company. If there would have been something out there that was a good fit for us, that was more profitable for the agents, more profitable for, for our families, I think we would have done that. It, would, it certainly would have been much simpler to do that. But wow, it wasn't out there, Drew. I love it. I mean, we hear that time and time again. There wasn't, there wasn't what I wanted out there, right? I heard somebody years ago say, uh, if you're going to create something, create the thing you would, you would kill to be a part of, yep. right? Mm -hmm. if, what's the thing you would kill to yeah. be a part of? If it's, not, if it's out there, go join it. If it's not out there, go create it, right? right. And that sounds like what yeah. you guys did. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so then where do, we, where do we go from here? Are we in somebody's garage? Are we in a basement? Where, what, what, how did we start this yeah. company? Well, we, um, the, the recommendations that we kept getting were a gentleman by the name of Brian Pope lived out in California, um, owned another insurance company that uh, he had previously sold, made a bunch of money, and had just bought it back six months earlier. Um, had a lot of the connections, had a lot of the carrier contracts, had a, a lot of the things that we needed. We got on the phone with Brian, and uh, within, Casey, what do you think, a couple of weeks, we were in California just kind of feeling it out and talking to him and kind of negotiating, is this the partner that, that we're looking for? Is this somebody that um, has the same beliefs and the same uh, kind of values that, that we have? And uh, much like Casey and I kind of hit it off, we, we both hit it off with Brian pretty quickly too. So we were extremely um, lucky, I would say, that, uh, that the timing worked out the way that it did with Brian Pope. I love that. So Casey, if you were to give a title to the first, what in your mind, a, the first section of this story, 
right? You guys go out to California and you're now about to start your company. What would you call it and why? I would probably call it excitement. You know, we were finally seeing, you know, this light at the end of the tunnel uh, where we had just been in a place that we weren't, we were very excited about. Um, and uh, yeah, that excitement phase was important for us. I mean, that's energy, you know, and when you have the energy, you don't, you don't, you don't think about time as much, you know, you're just, it's, you have that there and it's uh, you know, where we're excited about the relationship with Brian. We were excited, excited about the kind of blank canvas that we had to create something. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's excitement phase. That was our fuel. Yes. You know? So what did the, what, what did that excitement produce in that season? What were you guys able to get in motion, uh, accomplish or start in, in that excitement season? It allowed us to really, um, again, go starting from that blank canvas spot, what do we want, um, what kind of impact do we want to make in people's lives when they join our company? Mm. And um, it's not just about building something that makes people money. It's about how that money is made. And it allowed us to really kind of think about um, what result people are going to get from the work when they join us and really set our model up in a way that isn't just rewarding great salespeople, but it's actually attracting and rewarding people who want what we wanted as, as entrepreneurs and business owners, which is the result I want from that is a combination of time and money. It's not just a bunch of money. Like I, I want the, 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 uh, the time component married to that and you have to be very intentional about that um, if, if you're going to uh, attract people who want the same thing. You're going to have a system that actually produces that. And it really comes down to systems. And so we were just blank canvassing like what the system is going to look like that's going to produce those results. What systems need to be in place. Everyone in the industry has, you know, everyone in our industry has in some ways, a, a way to, for people to come in and make, make some insurance sales and make some money. But how are we going to set ourselves apart from that? You know, what's the, what's the value proposition that we have that's going to set us apart from everyone else in the industry? And it was fun to really dream and think about that from scratch. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you got to almost design from scratch the ideal, the ideal system and yeah. mechanism of the insurance, selling insurance as you would see it. Uh, was this also the time, you know, that you got to dream from scratch about like, what do we want our values to be? What do we want our culture to be like? Was this part of that conversation this time as well? Yeah, it was certainly an evolution. I think Casey said it best a second ago. You don't think about time as much when you have excitement. So he asked, is this the time that we were in the basement? Yeah, we, we were actually in uh, drawing up scripts and drawing up um, everything for the system in, in Casey's uh, I guess it was your den. wasn't quite your basement. Your 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 den, though. It, uh, I remember doing yeah. that at four a.m., five a.m. The sun's coming up, and we're still really excited. You know, I, mm. I think that kind of the um, what what we kind of started with was how can we create what people want. We knew it was the same thing that that we wanted. So I think early on we were probably a little more focused on profitability, efficiency. Uh, you know, how can we give people time? I think once we felt good about uh, those aspects, we certainly began to develop more cultural, cultural aspects, um, 
more of the core values of the company, that sort of thing. But it seems like when the first couple of months, you know, we were really focused on the scripts, you know, how do we train agents to, to say the right things? How do we make sure that, uh, that we give people an opportunity to come in and make a good living and not go backwards. We were so accustomed, you know, the previous year with the other company that you'd recruit someone and it was really, really difficult. Yeah. To make a run at it. Yeah. So we just wanted profitability yeah. out of the gate, you know? Yeah. That yeah. next phase from, from excitement really came, um, you know, work. And it was about really trying to just find good people to surround ourselves with, you know, from, um, and not necessarily people, even like just from a mentorship standpoint, like we were digging into the books, we were digging into the podcast, just trying to grow ourselves. Um, a for the business purpose, but also just because we know that, you know, growing a business and, and finding good people is about attraction. Yeah. And, you know, the books say there's a law of the lid. Like I can only attract people that, you know, are, are, are the speed of the leader, speed of the pack kind of thing. So we need to grow ourselves here um, to attract good people around us. But that, that really is uh, so much of our success was just finding really good people to surround ourselves with. Yeah. Okay. So and that's talk a about, lot of work. Talk, yeah. talk about that for a second though. Lean into the law of the lid. That's an interesting concept to me. What does that mean? And ha have you actually seen that play out to, to be for the most part true in, in this uh, running business? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's John Maxwell Brandon, that talks about that. You know, if you're a 10 or if you're a five, you're not going to attract an eight, mm. you know? And so I, I've, I've got to grow myself to attract like-minded people. And for us, it was about, um, you know, being at the top of our game when it came to the, the initial part of the business for people that we were hiring, which is being great salespeople. And Brandon and I always kind of, we're, we're proud of ourselves for being like, we were the top agents in our company for the first few years. Mm. Um, everyone we were hiring, everyone we were training, like we were always at the top of the leaderboards, um, trying to show them the way, but that, uh, we always kind of talk about the cash flow glow too, that comes from being a great salesperson um, in whatever industry you're in. And, you know, it, it, it attracts people to you, it attracts good people to you when you have that, you have the smoke of battle on you have that cash flow glow. And so the beauty in doing that and focusing on green, being great personal producers was it created the cash we needed to fund our business, but also allowed us to attract a higher quality, a higher level of person to us. Yes. And we, we did that right off the bat. You know, um, we, we started to attract people that we just didn't have to, it wasn't like pushing rope, you know, Brandon with, with Linwood and with Edward and some of the other key people that we initially hired, you know, they, they just, they just kind of followed in and tucked in. And before, mm -hmm. before we knew it, we were like, Oh, we got to get out of these guys way. You know, yeah. they're running with it. It's extremely important. I think if you're going to be a leader in a company, if you're going to start something, you have to go out and get results yourself because mm. if not then basically you just have a philosophy you know that this may or may not work i mean it was really important for us to go out and show this is going to work it's going to work exceptionally well um watch this and when you do that you like you're saying casey you begin to attract uh really good people because mm. they see results they see that what you're saying can happen is actually happening and uh they go out and get it at that point Yes. I'm going to go to work. Well, you know, from the outside, somewhat the outside coming in, 
that was the thing that I was most impressed about with your company when uh, I came to start uh, coaching some people in your organization was the high value that you guys placed in personal development. That, that to me was really impressive and not in a cheesy way, not even in, in some hype way, but this genuine value that like we need to be growing as husbands, fathers, friends, colleagues, spiritually, emotionally, physically, like that is going to affect all areas of our life. And I saw it modeled by you guys at the top. And it's cool to hear that that came all the way from the beginning because it makes sense why it's so permeated. I can't, I, there's, there's few successful agencies in your organization, probably no successful agencies in your organization that I know of that aren't personally uh, continually learning that are reading books that are passing on. And then again, not just sales related. That's the part that's interesting to me yeah. that even mm -hmm. in this part of your origin story, you weren't just reading sales books on like, how do I go just sharpen my skills of sales? You guys were learning from John Maxwell or whoever, like how do I become a person worth following? And that to me is a different question, not just how do I get results, but how do I be a person worth following? And we, we talk about personal gravity. We probably didn't come up with that term, but we use that idea of personal gravity a lot, that the more substantial you become on the inside, right? The more you are growing and developing and whether that's in love or in skill or in kindness or in, in, in creativity, you start to have a mass that people want to orbit around. And so the more you develop that, the more the bigger objects want to kind of orbit around you, right? And it sounds like that was the beginning of your personal gravity really being attended to and starting to grow. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it started with us um, by what do we want um, of our people? You know, what do we want our, our people that are going to be in our organization at any level? What, what do we want them to experience? Um, and maybe it sounds a little cheesy, but, but early on, we, we knew that we wanted them to feel contentment, uh, happiness, and in order to do that, um, you know, we came from a culture where uh, it was never enough, right? You, it's not enough to go work 40 hours. You should be working 80 hours. It's not enough to make X amount of money. You should be trying to make more money. And so we didn't want that for people. We wanted them to have contempt, not complacency, but contentment and happiness. And in order to kind of gain that, you got to mm. work on yourself and you have to work on everything that's outside of this eight hours a day that you're putting into something that you love that's work. Because if you do this all day and then you go home and you're, I'm a terrible father or a terrible parent. Um, right. Really hard to keep those things separated. Right. We, we can't, we can't be somebody here, be successful and then be something else uh, somewhere else or every other part of our lives. It just things don't really work that way. And so in order to, to be really successful as a person, you have to be, you have to work at all of these things. You have to work at being a better person. You have to work at being a better leader for your business. You got to work at being a better yeah. community person, better, better uh, husband, better parent. All those things are important. And that takes work. And I think a lot of times with our culture, people feel like they need to go put in, you know, 12, 15 hour days and then they get home and they're exhausted and they don't have anything else to give. And I think that's mm. the biggest recipe for disaster. It's the opposite yep. opinion of success. And how many times do we see it in our world? Yeah. You know people that um, by certain standards, they're successful because they have a big house or they have a lot of money in the bank account or they do certain things, but are they really successful? Yeah. Right. Kids yeah. or they don't talk to their, their spouses or maybe they're on their fourth or fifth one. Like 
it was really important for us to make sure that, that people had an opportunity not to just get better in business, but to get better in life. And in order yeah. to do that, you have to kind of have a roadmap for that. Mm. Um, yeah. Well said, Brandon. Go ahead, Casey. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, and very well said, um, but, you know, it is our, one of our core values is relentless pursuit of personal growth. Yeah. And um, I think a big part of that is ego um, or, or, you know, a, a healthy ego, because if it's unhealthy, um, it just, you're not, you're not going to dive into stuff like this because you don't think you need to grow. And, uh, you know, you're not, you're not uh, in a place where you're going to allow, you know, people like yourself, Jordan and Drew to, to actually kind of hold up a mirror to you. You know, you need as a leader to be able to get really good feedback from people. And if Brandon's ego is out of control or my ego is out of control and you can't tell me anything, I just can't grow from that. And so um, ego is the most expensive thing we own. Um, mm -hmm. An unhealthy ego is, you know, because it keeps us from growing. And so that's, that's, it's why relentless pursuit of personal growth is one of our core values. We hire for people that, um, that are okay with that, that understand that I got a lot of growing to do. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. This has a, uh, this made me uh, kind of curious. So even right now um, during our, our current COVID crisis, um, a lot of Drew and I's conversations have been on helping leaders focus on the 80, 20 principle, right? So like we've all heard about the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, you know, the 20% that gives you 80% of the results. Um, Many, many people I talk to know the idea, very few apply it. And so one of the things that kind of made me think about that as you guys were talking about personal development, and even as you were talking about even your focus on some business systems as you were beginning, but mainly on that personal development side is like, where would you suggest someone start? Like where, where was the 20% in your personal development journey as you were getting, as you were just beginning, like where would you recommend somebody begin? Like, Hey, start here this is actually going to get you the mass majority of your results. You, then you can do refinement because, you know, knowing both you guys, y'all are in the refinement stage, but you definitely had a massive growth too. I've seen some of those before and after images of even your bodies, um, which have been amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, where would you start in your personal development? What's that little thing that created just a massive results early on? I'll jump on that one, Brandon, uh, for a second. Um, and by the way, you're interviewing two guys that we've been working together for, I don't know, how, how, 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> so you're going to get a lot of the same answers. <laughs> we spend a lot of time together. Um, but I, I would say I, I would almost take that like hindsight's 2020. If I had to do it over again, I would start with um, self-awareness. I would start with knowing myself better. Some of the work that you guys have actually done um, with, like I said, holding that mirror up and getting to know your blind spots, um, understanding personality types and people and who you're dealing with. I started learning, reading the sales books, like learning how to be a good salesperson because that's where the cash came from. And I'm not saying that's a bad way to start. It worked out, but an accelerant could have been me working on myself and going internal and learning um, more about, you know, be, being more self-aware and understanding people. Um, before I dug into some of the sales skills books. Um, but that said, if you're going to be a good business owner, a good entrepreneur, you got to be a really good salesperson generally. So um, that's got to be in the equation, I think. Oh yeah. I 
totally agree. It starts with emotional intelligence and, and self-awareness and um, having the uh, courage, I think, to, to be able to kind of look within and even, and even ask others like, to try to determine what it's like being on the other side of me. Um, and I think as a salesperson, it's extremely important. I think as a leader, it's extremely important as a, you know, uh, a, a husband or a, or a father. I mean, all, it's always important. So I think I agree with Casey hundred percent, but I also think that when it comes to self-development, um, you mentioned kind of, uh, you know, the before and after pictures, um, we're really big on exercising. I think Brian Pope said it perfectly. Uh, years ago, Casey said, I used to work out for vanity. Now I work out for sanity. Um, mm. it, it, <laughs> we don't have time yeah. to, and we want all of our people to have this. If, if you don't have time to get outside uh, or to, to somehow move your body and somehow, you know, get that workout in for at least an hour, hour and a half, it's hard to keep the mind for us. Anyway, it was always kind of mm -hmm. hard to keep the mind yeah. going. So I, I think there's, when I'm having conversations with people on, on where should I start? Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that you have to have on first, where are you? You know, people need to understand yeah. where they currently are. And if they're not, if they can't be honest with themselves about that, or if they don't even know, it's really hard to tell someone where to start. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you shared and uh, kind of the secret, even Casey's thought is where this question is going. So Casey was like, you know, probably hindsight wise, I would have started here. Is there anything on the business system side where I know you guys did a ton of work on the sales system, but now you have the advantage of hindsight. Is there anything that you're like, Oh, I would have spent more time systemizing this early on in our business. Like, cause you were in that exciting system driving, trying to create profitability for your people. Like anything that's similar in that space too, as you were kind of doing the business development side of things that you look and go, oh, I wish I had to pay attention to this. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'll speak necessarily in specifics, but I will say, um, every time that, that we've made a decision to make things more profitable, to eliminate an expense for the agent or for the managers, to take some of that expense on ourselves, um, you're always nervous kind of making those decisions. But every time that we have made those decisions, the company has gone through a, a massive growth phase. And so, you know, maybe going back to 2009, having some of those conversations with each other of, you know, hey, it doesn't have to be the way that, that we've done it for the past eight years. You know, yeah. agents or managers don't need to invest in, in this to see value in it, for example. Um, and so maybe th those would be conversations, Casey, that we would have had in 2009, but we, we didn't, you know, I think it, it's good to have to kind of go through the grind to figure those things out. Um, or yeah. You don't know. yeah, let me. I, I can let me see also that. specifically, go ahead, Jordan. So I just want to reflect back. One of the things Brandon said, Brandon, did I hear you correctly? Anytime I invested in my partner's profitability, it always made me more profitable. I think that's just, that's an amazing, uh, amazing thing. So yeah. Yep. Just want to reflect that back. Go ahead, Casey. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I, I, you gave me time, Brandon, to think specifically on something which uh, really does have to do with um, the value of surrounding yourself with, with people uh, with, with, with good people. You know, we later in our business, um, hired a, a really good COO, um, named Doug Zay. And he came in and said, you guys have these awesome values that are very apparent, but they're not, they're not written. 
you know, that was kind of Brandon and I's lack of uh, business acumen, I guess, to come in and say, well, first things first, we actually need to write. We know our values, but we actually, there's some value in them being written down in public. And uh, probably one-on-one for, mo- for most of the people, but, you know, Brandon and I were in the grind of selling and, 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 and recruiting and hiring people at our company. And, and uh, you know, that voice was important for us at that time. And, yeah, we probably would have benefited a lot more maybe accelerated our growth even further had we sat down and said, we know our values, but let's actually write them down because they act as a filter. That's what we've really learned. Um, They attract the the people that are going to fit with them and they quickly filter out. If they're very apparent in not only how you live and how you go about your business, but there is some value in them being present and visible to people. Um, and you're going to hire, you're going to get more alignment like that. And, and like I said, there's a, there's a certain a filter that um, having those values spelled out for people does a lot of really easy uh, lifting for you from a filtering standpoint. And uh, that's something we, we probably could have spent some more time on in the beginning, Brandon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, along with Doug Zay, I think, the, being willing to invest in um, more uh, corporate staff as well, Getting, trying to go out and be proactive and finding just the best people that we could find and, and not being um, scared or fearful of, of what kind of investment that would mean for the company, but just knowing that if we would surround ourselves with, with good people, people that were better than we are uh, at their jobs, then the company can, can grow massively so much faster. And I think that probably sure. early on we were a little conservative with that. Man, it's, you know, um, I heard an interview once with um, Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, right? So he's mm-hmm. rich dad, poor dad. And I, I got to hear an interview who of the guy who actually is rich dad, the guy that taught him all those principles. Um, and mm-hmm. he was talking about the majority of any business's problems is the result of not having A players on their team. And that if they actually had A players, that that problem wouldn't exist. And I just thought that was a really interesting uh, observation. And it made me more hyper aware as we've been helping, you know, companies you know, identify problems or even from the inception, starting things going, who you hire, especially at the beginning matters, maybe most, right? Mm-hmm. That hiring the right key people that are A players, that are self-motivated, self-guided, that are problem solvers, creative thinkers, those kinds of things will eliminate most of the costly mistakes simply because you had somebody that had the ability to figure it out. And it sounds like you guys did that as well. Even as you just rattled off a few of the people that were even your first insurance agents. Uh, I'm sure there were some duds, but a few of them you mentioned are still around and are really powerful people. Um, Speak to that maybe for a bit. Like as you're building this, did you see that rule play out that it really mattered at the beginning who the, the first key hires were, if that, if that were to make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it goes back to what Casey was saying earlier, that, that that is why it's so important to work on yourself and work on the culture, because you're not going to be able to attract A players um, if you're not on your A game. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's not, and A players know that it's not just about money or my salary. And so you can't throw money at a, at a situation and think that you're going to solve it by attracting the right person, because you'll ultimately find out that that's probably not the right person. So I think it starts with personal development, professional development, um, culture development. And then we were able to attract some really good people. Um, Casey's sister, Pam was with us Mm -hmm. 
from day one, and I would say was the most important hire. Um, you know, convincing her to to stay on with us was probably the most important thing that we did early on because she knew the business backwards and forwards. She's done every, she's been in every role in this business uh, and she's bought into what we were wanting to do and she's uh, developed herself personally as well. And she's been able to go out and attract um, other people just like, just like we have. Um, but I think once we had those things in place, you know, it's, it's attracting the right people, but it's also identifying the right people because when you're in a business like ours, you can recruit, um, hundreds or thousands of people to your organization, but right. how are you going to identify the right ones? How are you going to know who you're investing your time into that, that those are the right people? Because if not, then we're going to be just like all the banks in 2008 and 2009. We're going to invest in the wrong people and we're going to go belly up. Yes. So yes. Tracking them, but it's identifying them and then working with those people. That's a challenge. Okay, I want to reflect back a few things I've heard in these first two chapters, and then we'll we'll kind of jump into maybe chapter three and chapter four and get closer to up to date on where we're at. But in these early stages, here's a few things I've heard, and uh, the first is that 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 impos- that impotence to uh, grow yourself, and and the just to even categorize the reflect the things I'm about to reflect back to you, I actually think are all interesting because they were they reflect to me. Uh, not necessarily counterintuitive moves that you guys made, but what I would call counter instinctual, meaning it actually is intuitive. A lot of things you did, if you were to think about it, you'd say, yeah, that makes sense. But it's very counter instinctual because it goes against self-preservation mechanisms. It goes against the need to hide or pretend or uh, do things too quickly. And so the first was the idea of growing ourselves, which you both mentioned requires vulnerability. It requires receiving feedback and not being defensive. It requires looking at your blind spots, growing in self-awareness. And that is intuitive in the sense of it makes intuitive sense, but it's actually very counter-instinctual. There's so many people you meet that go, the higher they go, the more they hide. And the farther they go, the more their blind spots seem to increase, right? It's, It's really kind of fascinating to be in a conversation with them and be like, you have no idea that everyone in your organization hates you. How is that possible? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but they're not successful for long. Like, they're, they always get, tyrants always get overthrown eventually, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, or the business outgrows them, and they, they get fired or bought out or something. But the people that are really successful for the long time, they always, have, they always have a coach. They always have someone they're learning from, someone that can speak into them, someone that their business partner, their wife, whoever – that they're growing with. And I just want to reflect that back to you. I see it throughout in you and throughout your organization. The very first group that Jordan invited me to help him coach in Symmetry, we were doing uh, sharing, like, what's your biggest challenge? What's your biggest fear? We're going through stuff. And everyone was just sharing really candidly. And they're somewhat competitors, you know? Uh, They're all connected in some sense to their income streams. And um, I, I remember talking to a different group outside of Symmetry to a different corporate group. And I was reflecting to them. I was actually just a one-on-one client. I was reflecting to them the kind of conversation I had. And I said, could you have that kind of conversation with your team? And they said, never in a million years. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? They're like, you're not, I remember the person said, are you lying to me? Like, did those people really have that level of honesty around each other? I was like, hundred mm. percent. He's like, we would get eaten alive here. Like if you show mm. weakness, it's like blood in the water with sharks we would like people would like no one would be that brave. And I'm like, okay, you've just mm. told me that your culture has a recipe for disaster. 
at the very least has a very low yeah. lid, right? Like no one's going to be able to, to grow very much because we all have to pretend and no one can be vulnerable. So I want to just reflect back to you working with a lot of different companies, how amazing and un unique in a sense that is to you guys uh, leading with that transparency and that vulnerability. The second thing yeah. that I just think is interesting is Adam Grant talks about, uh, he has this, this statistic and I don't remember the exact statistic, but I remember the sentiment that basically first to market kind of companies, I think it's something around 80% of those fail, which is interesting because we all want to be first to market. That makes the most sense. Like go find that blue ocean and go be the first one there. But 80% of those actually fail because they didn't know what they didn't know. And they were so early, right? But the, it was kind of the opposite. If you were not the first to market, but you were an improvement to the market, like you had a slight tweak or a better idea or a better way, it was only like 13% of those failed. And that sounds like kind of what you guys did, where you're like, we're certainly not the first to market, but yeah. we are guys sitting back going, but what if we did it this way? You know, what if we designed it where our agents could all win and, and, and have mutually incentivized growth and they could actually have a work-life balance and so I think that's also something cool for anyone listening, that you don't have to design a totally new wheel. You don't have to have the blue ocean to succeed. You actually have a higher chance of success if you could just find a key, a key tweak, you know, a, a, a system improvement kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then just the last is, is similar to the first in this stage, just how quickly you empowered people. I think that's really interesting that from the beginning, the people that you hired, the people that you, even the way you built the system, it was one where you, you took the risk and therefore paid the cost of empowering people because there's a cost to that. You know, when you empower people, you, you have to pay for the cost of their mistakes. But at the same time, you also get the return on your investment of more capability than just your own coming in and through the business. Um, so does that accurately maybe reflect some of the big lessons that come out of that early first two chapters? Yeah, um and you made it sound really good. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess it sounded right? great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's great. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think if, if in our business, if, if, um, if we're going to attract the, the type of person that's going to have success with us, the entrepreneurial type spirit, um, you have to give them freedom. You know, you have to uh, not only for, for the, the benefit of the company, but just, I mean, they're, they're going to bring so many great ideas. We, Casey and I know that we're two people, you know, we've got Brian, we're, we're three people. Um, mm -hmm. And there are a heck of a lot of people in our organization. that are much smarter than we are. And so the more people that we can get investing in mentally investing in the future of the company, the direction of the company, um, then the better we're going to be and the better they're going to be because they get to, uh, you know, it also kind of creates buy-in obviously. Um, and so, We've got an advisory board. We weigh in on all of these decisions and, and we uh, outwardly encourage people to, to bring us their thoughts and their ideas. Even if you've been an agent with us for five or 10 minutes, if you've got yes. to hear it, doesn't mean that we're going to act on it, but we encourage that, you know, because we know that it's, it's, it's not our way or the highway. We know that the best way to get better is to surround yourself with better people. And yeah. um, if they don't have a voice and they don't have a platform to say, Hey, I have an idea on some things. Uh, if they can't voice that to us, then they're going to go voice it elsewhere. And that's not what we want. I love it. All right. So this has been the great takeoff, right? This is where the excitement was high. Season one, you got an idea. Season two, it's hard work. You're starting to recruit and it's working. 
but come on, when does it get hard? When does it get to uh, like every story? Are we going to quit? Is this going to work? Uh, holy crap. Can we survive that mistake? Is that, is that somewhere what happens next? Is that part of your story? Yeah, I would say Casey and maybe you um, have a yeah. different thought. That was probably in chapter one. I mean, we were, you know, mm -hmm. when we're going out and having to, to work 40 hours a week on the sales process, on the sales side, because we're going out and helping tech families with insurance, we're doing that for 30, 40 hours a week. And then we have another 30, 40 hours a week on top of that, where we're trying to build a business, trying to recruit, traveling all over the place. I think we had our tongues hanging out. And, and luckily, um, we didn't talk to each other on the same days when, when both of us were feeling like, you know, questioning if it was worth it. You know, I would call Casey and I'd be beat up and I'd say, man, are you sure this is what we want to do? And he'd be like, oh yeah, uh, absolutely, man. You know, and he, he'd be on a high. And then two weeks later, he'd call me. You sure this is what we want to do? Oh, man, absolutely. I just made a bunch of sales. <laughs> so I think luckily we didn't catch each other at the, uh, at the same time when we were down. But I would say that the, the first um, two years were, were certainly the hardest, were the most challenging. I mean, there's yeah. always challenges along the way, but in terms of kind of mental, physical, emotional exhaustion, um, those were early on for us. Yeah, and I think the lesson there, Brandon, is, you know, even if you don't have a partner, a business partner per se, that, you know, just surrounding yourself with people who um, understand, you know, the journey, understand that, you know, the road to success leads to the dump sometimes, and you got to, you know, you can't camp out there. You can't turn around. You got to push through. And whether that be a spouse, a partner, a significant other, a business partner, um, just other peers in your business, kind of understanding the journey that, that we're all on together, I think is so important. You got to have, got to have support staff. Mm. I love it. So that speaks to that perseverance piece, right? I know that's been critical for you guys and your own culture and value. Uh, it's just that, that need to persevere. When did you know this is going to work? I don't know if you can pinpoint an exact time or a stage of the company when we went from this many people to this many people. Like, when did it go, holy crap, I think this is really going to work? I think there were, there were certainly clues along the way. You know, we, we have um, a national conference every year, uh, which has always been a good indication of us to us on growth. Uh, and there would be times where early on we would go from having 300 people at a conference to, to 600 people. And obviously 90 days after that, our production would spike. And then, uh, but I can remember, uh, I don't know exactly the, the years, but Casey, probably 2012, maybe 2013, there was one in particular conference where we went from 600 people to like, you know, 1500 or 1800 people at that event. And I remember you and I kind of being backstage like, this is crazy and it's about yeah. to, and it's about to get much, much crazier. But I think it was, you know, in addition to that, it was seeing some of those early agency owners come in and have um, tremendous success, you know, start making, making money, paying off debt, um, you know, having more time, you know, we would always thrive on hearing those stories. And so some of those early agency owners that came in, seeing their level of success really made us realize the potential of what we had. Yeah, speak to that for a second. That I'll just tell you. So one of the first one of the first things Jordan brought me to when I started collaborating with him was actually to conference, and he was like, "Man, you're not going to believe it." It was me, Jordan, and Brian Williamson 
uh, and it was in DC. And he's like, it's a, it's a whole different thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. We're going, I, go, I go to plenty of conferences. He's like, no, this is, this is a different thing. Uh, and we came in and just the excitement, the intensity, the, the other thing too, by the way, was the amount of people on your stage. Not like in terms of 40 people on your stage at once, but meaning the continuous rotation of different voices. Again, your ability to empower other people. It wasn't just the two of you kind of Tony Robin, mm-hmm. Robinsing the, the event, like carrying all the, the culture. It was like, man, people sharing their story, people you know, succeeding, and it was unbelievable. How big of a role has that been for you guys, and why? Like, why is conference so important for your company's culture and success? Um, tell me about that for a second. Yeah, you want to take down? Casey, go ahead. Um, it's been uh it's been extremely crucial um for certain times throughout the year for us to just pull together as a team um and it does allow us to kind of uh like you were saying earlier uh just empower some of our people to get on stage and and uh you know bring value to other people um and the ownership and the 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 energy that they even get from that not not just everyone in the audience gets from that but when you allow everyone to kind of share the load in, in, in adding value and making an impact on that main stage. Um, it just does something to the, to the culture, to the energy in the room. Um, and again, we've, we've always grown from conferences. So we, we can look at our graphs as a company and there's big pull togethers that we have where we're in a room together with a bunch of like-minded people who are all driving for the same thing. I mean, I think it's hard to put a value on that. Um, but we certainly see, the value, the ROI come from that. I mean, our conferences cost us a ton of money to put on. Um, but that is, it's a, it's a good investment for us. Um, it's a good investment for everyone that attends because they also have skin in the game. You know, we don't make it free for everyone. Um, and I think them having some investment uh, in, into it, you know, they, they take it for granted when it's, we all do. We take it for granted when it's just free, when it's given to us. So everyone having some skin in the game coming there for an intentional couple days together to grow um, and connect because that's a big part of it for us too and there's an amount of fun that we try to have Um, it's it's where we kind of uh, help people to understand what our culture is you know and who we are and so it's it's a it's an extremely important thing yeah 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 just if if you're listening to this uh, and you're dreaming about your company like I, I always think the best part about starting a company because there's plenty of not best parts, right? Like all the burden, all the responsibility, yeah. all the pressure. Uh, but one of the best parts is you get to create your own world. It really is wild. You get to decide what does it like, what's it like to be a part of this world. And for you guys, it's the symmetry mm-hmm. world. And so that's what conference was when I came into it. Was going, man, there's all these little microcosms. Like Jordan and I were hopping from restaurant to restaurant, bar to bar to different what you would call master agencies having their dinner and having their own award ceremonies. Like that was wild mm-hmm. to see them organize their own award ceremonies and honor people and bring people up. And then you, when you're in the main room, you're watching different people go on stage that were all the way from their first year. And we're celebrating that they had this, this little achievement to some of the original salespeople in your organization. And then you saw the pride and different people in the room that one of their people was up there. And then I'd even see on Facebook, their cover photo is now them on stage sharing, you know, at your conference. And I'm like, these guys are freaking brilliant. This is, there's so much 
momentum happening here and culture. And then they're bringing new people with them to that conference. And all of a sudden those new people are like, no brainer. I'm going to be a part of this company. I'm, I'm coming here. Right. Uh, yeah, that's such an important part of it, you know, is, is being, um, being the, the model and understanding the value of duplication and how important it is to set the model because everything past that is it's cookie cutter. You know, what's that cookie going to look like? And we've got to create that shape first. And if we put the work in on the upfront to do that, then the duplication process is, is, is going to look like that. And so what, what do we want to duplicate? And so we have to model that first and, and, we hope we did a good job at that. And we certainly are, are loving the feedback and, and what you guys are saying that you're seeing out there. There's nothing that makes us happier than to hear that people are picking up that model that we tried to set out and just run with it themselves. It's incredible. I mean, I, I, there was one restaurant we walked into and one of the guys that Jordan and I coach said, I want you to, I want you to meet the team that you've been helping us. And, and, and he literally walked us around the table and said, this is so-and-so they started with us six months ago. He's a pastor he was making $25,000 a year. He's already made $100,000 this year and six months with working with us. Mm -hmm. He's now supporting his whole family. And the guy has tears in his eyes. He's like, good to meet you. And then went to the next guy and by name was introducing us. He's like, you've helped us create this. I was like, and he wasn't even one of your bigger agencies. It was really kind of wild. Um, and this is actually That's a, awesome. great, this is a yeah. great segue to really maybe up to date. I know we're skipping a whole bunch of the story, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> Because right around this time, just one, and speaking of conference, and then two, the, actually the first conference I came to, you guys had some big act. I don't remember who it was supposed to be that you had paid to be there. And I think they got in a bus accident Whoa. on the way there. And so the two of you guys had to last minute come up with your own like song and dance uh, on the yeah. stage yeah. Uh, and, and improvise. And what that makes me think about is the, the improvisation on a massive scale that we're all having to go through right now with the coronavirus and the quarantine. And also the fact that about a week ago, we were all supposed to be on a cruise ship together at conference, the very thing we're talking about. This was your 10 year anniversary as a company. And this was when you had rented out an entire cruise ship for conference uh, that we were all going to be on. My wife was going to come for the first time and uh, we were going to do this thing. And now we're here quarantined. No conference, no cruise ship, no celebration of the 10-year anniversary. Take me to now, man. Take me into the improvisation and the lessons learned or the hardships or whatever. Like, I just want to know how you guys are responding to this. I, you know, I think that we have been, um, man, so blessed to have so many good people in our organization. We, we uh, kind of saw this coming a little bit early March, and so we put together uh, what we called the, the COVID committee. Uh, because we knew that if things progressed the way that it was looking like they were going to progress, then we were going to have to shift on a dime. Up to this point, we had never taught um, virtual selling. We'd never taught selling over the phone. You know, virtually 100% of our sales had come from kneecap to kneecap, sitting across the kitchen table with with families. Um, but members of our advisory board kind of stepped up. Uh, they they put together in literally a week um, this whole transition plan. And it, it went off way better than, than we could have imagined. Um, and now I think, uh, you know, 100% of our sales, Casey, have been going through uh, the phone and, and Zoom. And, and we've, um, we've, we've maybe taken a small step back, 
but I think we're going to take a huge step forward because there's so many things that we've learned going through this process that are not just going to be with us for this time. They're going to be with us forever. Um, and some of the things that are kind of coming out of it uh, have just blown our minds. I mean, we're seeing people go out and write 15 to 20 applications in a week and they're just calling people on the phone and talking with them or, or sitting here like we are on a, on a zoom wow. with them. And never did we think that it would happen to the degree that it's happened. And, and we've been so blessed that we have such good people around us that have poured themselves into to making this happen. Um, could not be more proud. So I think there's a lot of, there's, there's obviously a lot of um, really bad things going on around us, but I think a lot of our people have really stepped up to, to, kind of reshape the direction of, of the company to an extent, you know, um, mm. it, it's allowed us to kind of lay down the, the borders and the boundaries. I mean, prior to this going on, if you lived in Dallas, Texas, I mean, we certainly had people that were driving three, four hours away. I mean, you'd hear stories of people hopping on an airplane and, and going to picking up a pocket of, uh, of leads or families that have requested help and they would go help them. But now a lot of that has, gone away. You can live in Dallas, Texas and, and work in New Jersey. You can live anywhere you want and wherever there are families that are requesting help, you can help them whenever yeah. you want. Them. Yeah. And that's certainly been a yeah. blessing. And I would, you know, I don't know who said it, but we'll, we'll steal it, you know, culture eats strategy for lunch okay. um, or something of that nature. And, you know, we've had so much feedback uh, in this, in this, you know, and this crisis that we're in from our team that, man, we feel like we have been able to turn this fairly large ship on a dime um, because of culture, because it feels like we've been preparing for something like this for 10 years by working, growing ourselves. The work that we've done with you guys, the work that a lot of our team has done with you guys has helped us to make this turn quickly. I mean, within a, we've been so proud of our company because within literally a matter of a couple weeks, we fundamentally changed everything about the way every agent, all couple thousand of them a month, sell insurance yeah. on a dime yes. to no more face-to-face -face and doing it all virtually without really much of a blip in our growth and, and, our, and, our, and our charts. And uh, again, it just speaks to the importance of of personal growth and working on your culture as a company. It's easy to steer that little boat, you know, when there's only one person in it with you. But once you start having, you know, some success and you got a bit of a team, man, you better make sure that culture's in a good spot and you're, and you're continuing to work on it. Cause mm. um, if, if you do need to improvise and you do need to make some changes, you, you need to have the right team for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gone so well that I think we broke a record last week and, terms of the number of people that we recruited to our company. Um, and I think, I think Casey, you're dead on. I mean, you know, infusing kind of vulnerability into the culture that we've tried to create and um, just kind of a growth mindset means that we encourage people to fail. We encourage you to get out there, lean into the discomfort and know that every second of that you're getting better. And when people embrace that, especially in a sales organization, when they embrace that, then it removes the fear of, you know, I'm living and dying by this moment or by this sale. Like I may blow it. I, I mean, chances are I'm going to, I'm probably going to blow it more times than, than most. But if I can get better through that, if I can lean into that, um, then what you get is what we're seeing right now. And that, that switch comes because people are willing to be vulnerable enough to fail, but they're failing forward. Mm -hmm.
And there's a lot of industry, a lot of, a lot of companies in our industry even that are, um, that are kind of going in, in protect mode and they're just kind of shutting down and, and they're not really moving. And uh, that, that vulnerability, that willingness to fail has allowed us to actually see some opportunity in this to make some change that's actually going to benefit our company long term, like Brandon was talking about, where traditionally our model has been, you know, Jordan, if we hire you in Asheville um, right now, because that's where the company was started, it's, there's not many prospects and leads that we generate for you to sell insurance to in Asheville. You may have to drive to Charleston. South Carolina, you may have to drive three or four hours away and spend two, two nights, you know, or a night or two away from home just to get there, you know, and so it's really what it's done for us is dropped our borders, you know, mm. we can have a thousand agents in Asheville now, we could have a thousand agents in Dallas, we can have a thousand agents, because now we can virtually, um, you know, contact uh, our clients, and, and not that we could have, but we could have done that before, but we were kind of forced into kind of thinking about a new way of doing it. Um, and man, it's, 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 it's going to be a really big thing for a company in the future. Wow. So yeah, one is like great job. Uh, two, I want to stay on, uh, on the thought for you guys personally as leaders. So, uh, one of the things Drew and I did was we, uh, we sought out mentorship as well. As soon as COVID hit and we, uh, we sat with a mentor, a gentleman's name is Randy Dobbs, wrote a book called transformational leadership, uh, shameless plug there and former, um, GE CEO is just really impressive guy. But he said, Hey, during this time, he, he said a few wise things, but he said, during this time, you're going to find out who are the wartime consigliaries and who are just the growth managers. Like who was just like, mm. just going with the, the wind at their back and, and a nice big tidal wave and just riding versus like, who's ready for kind of wartime leadership. And so for you guys specifically and the self-awareness work that you've done, like, how has it, how has this time period required something different from you as a leader than what you typically were bringing? That's kind of my thought is like, what was required from you that's different than what you typically had been bringing? Uh, if anything, um, I'd be curious to know. Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, I think we all have to be, as I was saying a second ago, a little more willing to, to fail and take risks that um, maybe we weren't necessarily willing to take before, you know, that, the, the reason that we've sold insurance a certain way for the past 10 years is because that's the way we sold insurance for the past 10 years. We, we, it worked and it worked exceptionally well. We had to kind of lean into um, not knowing whether or not these changes were going to be positive for us. Um, and I think what kind of going through the pandemic has shown us is that we didn't have a choice. You know, we, we weren't going to send agents into people's homes during this time. We weren't going to put anybody at risk. And so it, it forced us to make those changes. Um, but it also forced us to, to begin thinking outside of the box on what are the ways that we can still uh, make an impact on families, make an impact to our agents that, that are going to allow the company to continue to thrive. Um, so I think we just had to, we had to lean into the, um, just the not knowing, the uncertainty. Yeah, Casey, would you uh, add anything to that, or is that pretty much what how you see it? Yeah, I mean, I would say you know we we really just had to be intentional about pulling together and saying you know drill down into what's what's really needed right now for everyone. You know, what, what do we need? We need to keep things really simple for people. We need to understand kind of you know, what's really important in people's lives right now. And, um, 
and where's the money at for these guys? You know, do we need to shift a little bit of priority away from maybe some of the um, business building things that we're doing or some of the other activities that they were doing that, that, that weren't really kind of focused on the now? Like you, you kind of got to go into like, we, we got to survive through this thing first. And so it was just having some intentional right. meetings about like, you know, because if you don't do that, then you end up, you know, chasing, chasing things that aren't important during this time. But the first thing was like ground level, like what's important right now and let's get the team focused on that. So I think just mm-hmm. being intentionally uh, together in that, in that world for a little bit with, with your, your partners or whoever you're with to put some thought into that. I'll say just it was new, you know, it's new for all of us. So, you know, <laughs> what are we doing here? Sure. You know, we got to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll just say, you know, for us, as we've been reflecting back, we've been doing what we call foxhole coaching. So business owners, leaders, whatever, if you need someone to jump in the foxhole with you, um, even just pro bono to give you some thoughts, we'll give you some. And this idea of the wartime leader keeps coming back up. So we were, we were meeting with a major fast food chain, their brand manager, and their team's freaking out, right? And there's a lot of disarray and there's a lot of miscommunication and uh, swamped with work and all that kind of stuff. And and we were just talking about like, who is your wartime leader? He's like, I don't know. I was like, who is your Winston Churchill, right? Like who is the person that's going to step up and exhibit some of these traits? And and I said, if if you don't have one, you need to be it. And what you need to exhibit are two things. In war, you need speed and power. Those are critical. You need speed and power because everything's limited and time is of the essence. So you need quicker decision making than you've ever made. And you need uh, priorities like you've never had before, right? And so we drilled down mm-hmm. into speed being the OODA loop that they use in the Air Force. It's observe, orient, decide, act, and then you do it over and over again. That's why they call it a loop. That the battle and air and air-to-air combat is constantly changing. New, you know, new new airplanes are in the mix. It's three-dimensional, so they're around you, they're above you, and so you have to have quick decision making. Observe what's happening, orient to it, decide, make a decision. And you got to act and then you got to do it all over again. That's speed. But then power is 80-20 rule. Power is saying, I'm actually okay losing these troops. I'm okay not winning over here. I have to simplify. And these are the very, I'm reflecting back to you basically what you said. You turned around and made Mm -hmm. Zoom and phone an option for your team in two weeks. Two weeks. In two weeks, you made available to them, checked to make sure it was legal, rolled out the communication that this is what we're doing started implementing even your first test cases. I mean, again, we were hearing about this. Your first people to go out and test it before you rolled it out to the company to show that you could get results, that's speed. And then power was how simple you made it for everybody. Like, hey, guys, we're not actually going to make this a goal and this a goal and this a goal. And this season, it's only this, right? Um, So I just want to highlight that, like, you guys, that was you exhibiting a wartime leader. It's like quick decisions and really clear priorities And that often means losing over here. So in order to win the war, we have to be okay with losing these battles that maybe we would overly care about in a time of peace. But right now, we're okay with that, right? Uh, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're we're just extremely blessed to have uh, so many of those leaders around us, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that have been, they've been marching to this point for the past 10 years, some of them for the past two years, some of them for the past six months, but they bought into to what the company is, who we are as an organization and, and they've shown up. They're the ones that kind of went through this. I mean, yeah, Casey and I were, were, were kind of putting the committees together and calling the shots, but the people that were out there making it happen, um, advisory board members of ours, all of our agency owners, 
they were so quick to adapt. Uh, it, it's just yeah. an amazing thing to watch. I love it. And we are, you know, we are so grateful and, 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 you know, completely aware and, and respectful of the fact that, you know, that there's a lot of industries that, that, you know, are in a, are having a lot tougher conversations in that war room um, because of the just the devastating effects, you know, that this, this um, pandemic is having. So, it, but we're, you know, we wake up every morning just so grateful that our industry is, um, you know, specifically with life insurance, uh, you know, people are, it's times like this where people think about it more, you know, and they think about, um, you know, the products that we actually help people with on the life insurance side or the, you know, uh, retirement protection products that we, we help people with to keep their money safe. Um, you know, we're just, we're just grateful to be in an industry where the, we have products like that, that can help people even during this time, you know? Yep. Yeah. And we also realize that, um, because we, are in a much better situation than, than some others. There's a, a big responsibility that comes mm -hmm. with, you know, with symmetry and all of our agents, our agency owners have bought into that, that, you know, it's not good enough to make an impact and to make a, a difference in ourselves and even our clients' lives. Like we have a responsibility to a lot of other people out there, to the other industries out there to do what we can to, to try to show up for them, try to make a difference right. for them. Our people buy into that yeah. and they do a great job at that. I remember telling, uh, I don't remember what agency I was talking with, but I remember saying like, obviously showing up to what you know how to do is a struggle for a lot of people being consistent, you know, sticking to your goals and that kind of stuff. But I said, in a time like this, if you don't recognize the opportunity you have to still have a job and make money, if you're phoning it in right now, yeah. like you're actually being insanely disrespectful. Like, do you yeah. know how many people would kill to even just have a viable opportunity to make money? And you're telling me you can't pick up the phone and, and make those dials. You can't show up and offer someone a, a product that they need and are still willing to pay for. I was like, guys, that is, we, that's like the most disrespectful thing in the world right now. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're not you're so right. Up. And by the way, up. you could probably buy low. This is what Jordan and I have been talking about with companies. Like this is a chance to buy low, meaning you might have people floating around right now looking for jobs that are higher quality than you've been recruiting ever. And simply because you have an opportunity for them, you could get them in the door. So wh why are you not reaching out to your contacts saying, who needs work? We've got work, right? Because if you're in this Absolutely. industry, or that industry, or that industry, there is zero things to do. Like yeah. I'm coaching a guy right now who's in the live entertainment industry and there's just no work. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how he spends it. He's just got no work, right? Um, so anyways, what I would love to just maybe end before we get to the lightning round questions to wrap this up is just saying looking forward, even as uncertain as it is, even as we, we're still having to respond, we know at some point there will be a semblance of normalcy with some key changes, obviously. But what do you look ahead to? You know, what, what, what for you guys excites you about the future of where, where this company is growing and, and what you see coming up? Uh, we're more excited than we've ever been. You know, we, we see um what's coming down the road we've been feeling kind of winds of change in terms of just the industry as a whole how technology is going to play a role and how insurance is bought and sold um and you know everywhere you look we you, you kind of hear um a lot of kind of direct to consumer stuff and a lot of a lot of uh plans to to do away with the agent and we think that that couldn't be you know more wrong you know our goal is moving forward how do we empower people 
how do we empower our agents to, to utilize the technology and to utilize kind of the direct to consumer models? Um, you know, all four or 5,000 of our agents out there, how do they have the ability to do that? Not just the company. Um, we know that insurance is going to be bought and sold in a completely different way in the future. And, and we feel like the stuff that we're working on now is going to put us at the forefront of the companies that are going to kind of revolutionize the way that that happens. Um, and so, man, we've, we've never been more excited about the future of, of symmetry. Yeah, we were really trying to stay ahead of, um, you know, I think that's an important thing as a business owner is to, is to constantly be looking for the trends. And so it was what a you know, year and a half ago, Brandon, that we rolled out, um, you know, our, our technology platform to our company, uh, which is called Quility. And because uh, we have this amazing kind of machine, this distribution channel where we have so many great quality professional agents all over the nation now helping people. And so how can we enable them? How can we kind of uh, how can we put this technology umbrella around everything that we do to make the agent's life easier, to make the client, the people that we're sitting in front of life easier, meet them where they are. And uh, the good news is we were already really. Um, we were investing everything back into that um, starting, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. And, uh, you know, this, this crisis has in some ways forced the adoption of some of this technology um, and, and increased the, the perceived need, certainly, and, and I think actually the actual need um, to, to our agents and our clients. Uh, it, it's kind of brought that to the forefront. So it really is kind of the next the, the, the chapter for our company is quality and how this technology is going to better enable, like Brandon said, our entire sales force and all the clients that we meet with. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's, it's um, the same thing that we were working on 10 years ago, right? How do we increase and improve efficiency and profitability for the agents and the agency owners? Uh, and that's still at the forefront of our mind. And that's what we're working on every single day. Um, mm. Some good stuff coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, so what's exciting to me is is not only the forced innovation that COVID is causing, which is the the virtual sales, uh, but like you said, also, I mean, if you listen to Joe Rogan, if you listen to Elon Musk talk, if you listen to whatever, like people are asking and wondering how is AI, how is software, how is the you know this thing going to interface with or will it replace the the human mm -hmm. capital, right? And so you guys are addressing that early and saying actually our answers we think that they're going to be as essential as ever. They just need to learn to work together with the changes that will inevitably come with the industry. Uh, and just to wrap it up, here's what it reminds me of. Again, I'm not trying to, to butter you guys' asses this, this whole time. I'm just reflecting back some great, <laughs> some great leadership stuff. Uh, I think that's a phrase, butter your ass. I don't know. Um, it is now. It, it is you now. That's IP. right. That's our IP, man. That's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smell, baby. Good, Drew. But I was reminded of this uh, Wayne Gretzky quote where he says, a good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be. And I just, I love that. Mm. Like a good so business good. person plays where the market is, yeah. you know, you know what's currently working, but a great business person anticipates where the market's going and, and starts heading that direction. Right. Uh, and I think that's what you guys are doing now. Okay. So we're going to do a fun uh, lightning round of some some targeted questions that we're asking. We ask every one of our founders uh, just to hear your response to it. So, Jordan, would you take us yep. into to those questions? Boom! Lightning round, man. I'm ready. Uh, first question, guys. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? 
It's mm. a good question. I would say <clears throat> that it's worth it. You know, and, and I'm not just speaking about the result that you think you're going to get financially, um, which the money is is an amazing part of it. I mean, um, it, it allows your brand, it allows you so much freedom to think about helping other people. You know, it, it can all, it can be a bad thing too, but um, I'm not just speaking about the result. I'm speaking about the journey of it all too. Um, it's worth it. The, the process and the journey of it's the fun part, you know, who you have to become, the growth aspect of it, um, the discipline you learn along the way, it's worth it. Yeah. Stay in it. Yeah. I would say the, uh, the same things that have always won are the same things that allow you to win today, right? It's hard work. It's grit. It's, um, consistency and performance. It's, you know, leaning into the discomfort because growth and change always comes through discomfort. Um, and like Casey said, man, going through that, it's all worth it because the result at the end of the day is better than you'd ever imagined. It may take a lot longer to get there than you think because it always does. But once you're there, it's better than you'd ever imagined. Gold. Yeah. Love this. Um, great answers. Uh, next one. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And what about the worst advice you've gotten? It's a two part question. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the best advice um, has kind of been around that the same answer I gave a second ago. I mean, you know, everything that you want's uphill, you know, everything you want that is worth having is very difficult to get. Um, but if you if you're willing to kind of put in the hard work, then you're going to get it. And that, that was that's just kind of always resonated with me that the worst yeah. advice I've ever gotten was um with a company that uh, Casey and I used to work for. It's, uh, I remember sitting around a table with a, a guy that was supposed to be a leader, um, trying to convince us that we shouldn't build our businesses around certain people, genders or, or, or uh, ethnic groups. Mm. Um, we didn't stick around for, for long after that, so. Dumb advice. That's why That's they're going backwards. <laughs> Yeah, Casey. Single best advice uh, for me would be, uh, certainly for Brandon, I, I would say um, came from, uh, I think it's Stephen Covey that says, begin with the end in mind. And, you know, if you're in that place uh, where you have that blank canvas, is to really put some thought into what result you're trying to get for just not just yourself, but your people, instead of getting caught up in the vehicle. Um, you know, so if I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work every day, like I'm not going to get too caught up in what I want that work to look like. I need to love what I do. I need, I need to at least like it, but I want to know more about the result, which for us again was, was a combination of time and money. And when we knew that was our destination, then it, it shaped the vehicle that we built. And so begin with the end in mind, take time to do that. Don't get caught up in the, in the, in the, how you're going to get there, get caught up first and where you want that to be. The worst advice, um, was again, with the, with the previous company we were with, uh, had, um, the, the leader of that company basically say not to, not to have us looking at our P and L our profit and loss statement, because it would be, you know, it would be too, um, <laughs> depressing. <laughs> And not to have our people look at it, um, which I get that on the journey, like the P&L doesn't always look hot, 
but to just to blindly say, let's not look at our business again, you know, really dumb, really dumb piece of advice for any, <laughs> for any entrepreneur out there. And, yeah. and that's what I love about our company is that we have a, a place where we're like, let's dig into that P and L. Let's look at it. What's going on with your business, Jordan, show us your P and L. And it may not look great, but we can show you why. Um, and we can show you kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, but so many of the, so much, so many of the times we do that, Brandon, the P&L actually looks really good. We're like, you're yeah. killing it. We just need to adjust this and that. Yeah, absolutely. And then what attracts or, or what success looks like. Yep. You know, that was, that was always really bad advice. We should be wearing a Rolex or driving a Ferrari or mm. you know, yeah. and like nobody gives a rip about yep. any of that crap, you know? And so <laughs> like we said earlier, there's so many, so much bad advice and so many <laughs> things that we learned. That's why uh, we want to know. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Uh, what's the dream results that you're driving towards every day? What's the dream results you're driving towards every day? Kind of going in line with your begin with the end in mind question. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, back to, to Quility and our, and our tech platform. Um, are we able to uh, accomplish the mission that we that we set out to accomplish. Are we able to to really empower the agents and the agency owners to the degree that that uh, we we hope to and plan to? Um, because in our business, and I think probably in every business, you know, we're directly compensated uh, based on the the impact that we make. And if we can increase the impact that we're able to make, not only in our with our uh, with our sales force, but with our clients, then we're going to continue to be a successful company. Well said. Yeah, we've, we, you know, we planted our flag in the ground um, probably five or six years ago, Brandon, with our entire company saying, you know, we, we really feel like we have the goods here together collectively um, with our strategy, with our culture to be a household brand. Um, and it, not, not a bad household brand because you can be a bad household brand, but an, a good, actually good household name. And so uh, it's about, it's about getting there for us. And what that's going to mean is a lot of people being impacted with the products that we help them with, but so many also internally in our company getting what they want out of this, which like Brandon said, is just a, a level of happiness, a level of contentment that it's not just that they're making a bunch of money, that they're actually enjoying their work. They're around people they want to be around. They have the amazing connections and culture. They're enjoying life. They have time. Like it's that every, again, everything that Brandon, Brian and myself started with that we all identified is this is what we want more than likely. It's what everyone else wants to do. So let's, let's start a company and, and deliver that if we can. And, and that would be our ultimate dream is thousands of people experiencing that. Yeah. Well guys, I, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, going to our next question, you'll get the model of that vulnerability that you guys were talking about, which is great for your, uh, your company's, uh, integrity here, but here's the next question is being completely honest. Uh, what's the secret fear that keeps you up at night? What's Having to be secret? vulnerable probably. Yeah. This, <laughs> this question right here is this question. Uh, um, this question. Yeah. This question. No. Uh, okay. So I'll let you start with that one. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, um, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a fear uh, or even something that necessarily keeps me up at night. Um, I mean, certainly during this time, um, there have been, there have been some, you know, 
some, some nights where it's, you know, it's some days obviously where it's on our minds a lot, you know, what the future is going to look like. Um, but, you know, in general, if I'm being completely honest, I, I would say that I think there's a, just a level or a healthy level of um, paranoia maybe, or, or just kind of concern that you should have as an entrepreneur and a business owner about your business. And, uh, you know, what are the competitors doing? What, what, what direction is the industry going in? Um, how's our culture, you know, is the strategy going the right direction? Are we relevant? Like all of these things, I, we, you need to have a, a, a healthy kind of level of thought around that. It shouldn't keep you up at night, but you need to be thinking about it. And when it turns into fear and when it turns into anxiety is when you don't have people to talk about those things with. And you don't have other good people in your organization to work through that stuff with, um, but you need to address it and you got to think about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good answer. Um, you know, I, I, and I agree with Casey, I think because um, we have the ability to kind of get together and, and, and work through things on a daily basis and we're very proactive in working through things, there's not really a whole lot that, that we fear or that, that keeps me up at night. I don't want that to sound, bad or arrogant um my my wife has a great saying live by what you trust not by what you fear and uh her father sent her that on a post-it note when she was in college and i'm not sure where he got it from maybe he made it up but that has always resonated with us um and so there's just not a lot that we fear i mean obviously the past six weeks um there's a whole lot to fear and there's a whole lot of things to at least uh be overly concerned with um but in general uh, there's not much that keeps us up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I got the, uh, my final question here. Uh, if you could hop in a DeLorean, you go back for five seconds to your past and you get to shout out one thing to yourself from the driver window. Uh, when would you go back to, and what would you say? So well, for those who may not know, the DeLorean is a Back to the Future reference. We may have somebody listening who's never seen Back to the Future. <laughs> traveling vehicle. That would be a travesty. I hope not. And, and I'm yeah, a, first piece of advice, go back and watch Back to the Future. That's the first thing, yes. You know, I would imagine since we're using uh, Back to the Future and Doc Brown, we can't go back in the past and gamble or tell myself to, to uh, take stock out. <laughs> nope, same rules. You know, I think we've said it throughout this, uh, throughout this, this interview. I would go back to probably – 2009 or 2010 when we're in the dogfight and just say, Hey man, it's worth it. Enjoy this moment. I know that there's anxiety and I know that there's a lot of work to do and there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but it's worth it. And you're going to get to a point in life where you look back on these times and they're, man, they're, they were great times. Even though there was so much yeah. fear, uncertainty and hard work, there were some really good times. So I know that's a lot to say in five seconds, but I guess I would just say, Hey man, keep digging in. It's worth it. Yeah. Awesome. Very similar, very similar to you, Brandon, uh, is it, it is a journey. Um, there, I would tell myself there are a few different phases, four different phases specifically that, that you're going to go through. Um, one of those is excitement. Um, one of those, the next one usually is frustration where you get away from the basics. Um, that that can lead to the third phase, which is the quitting phase, which I think is an important phase. And I think that a lot of people are going to go through that in this journey. 
um, and whether you're building a business or you're just an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you're going to go through certain phases where you question, is this worth it? Um, but the, the next phase, the last one is the most important, which is resolve, um, where you kind of blow through that quitting phase and that resolve phase establishes a new chapter, a new, a new file in your brain that says, man, the last time you blew through that brick wall, it was worth it. And that's what built, builds character. It's what builds that, that grit and that mental strength that we talk about that you're going to need and just to embrace that stuff. And cause in the moment it's so tough. But I would go back and tell myself, Casey, those are the those are the times that A are important because if this were easy, everyone could do it. I need that for job security. I need to get my teeth kicked in. I need a bad week or two or a month for job security. Um, because everyone would do it if it were easy. So I would remind myself of that and remind myself, man, this is what's gonna build your character for the long game. I love it. Well, uh, you broke the five second rule in the DeLorean. So <laughs> that's, that's the only problem is your, your, your past self only heard the first five seconds of that. So he, he only right. got through phase one. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. That's so good. Enjoy the process is what I heard and understand that there is a process. And I think that's big too, that there actually is a process of going through multiple stages of evolution. And that was the biggest thing for me was just in the, my first entrepreneurial journey was recognizing that everybody felt this roller coaster. You know, I'd see someone post a meme of the, the entrepreneur's journey is like, hey, this is amazing. Oh my God, we're all going to die. Oh, I think this is going to work. Hey, this is working, right? Uh, yeah. And it was so normalizing to go, okay, that, that's just what's happening here. You know, and then I remember Ryan Holiday wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. So much of what you guys have been saying is around kind of that stoic philosophy of, the obstacle isn't the issue. The obstacle is the way like that actually is the way where the obstacle is on the yeah. other side is, is the result you want. And so if you, the quicker you can embrace that, that stop, you know, I, every night my kids like me to play the game, the bear. Uh, and it came out of me singing the bear song to them every night where, you know, uh, you're going on a bear hunt and I just, I, I kept, <laughs> you know that one, right. And they, they get to the river and they can't go over it. They can't go under it. They can't go around it. They got to go through it. And I just think about that all the time with entrepreneurs as there are, you know, and business owners as they're complaining to me about the obstacle. And in my head, I'm just going, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You just got to go through it. You know, the obstacle yep. is the way. Uh, and I think y'all's story so, so, so embodies that. Uh, guys, I just want to thank you for giving us your time, for sharing vulnerably your insights, um, taking time out of your busy schedule, and then also on a personal level, giving us the opportunity to work with you and to work with so many people throughout your organization. Uh, it has been a real treat to learn with you, from you, alongside of you. Um, and uh, man, so we just want to both thank you so much for that. Well, we, we thank, you. Feel, thank you. Feeling for is so mutual. We, yeah, we've gotten so much from you guys. Um, like I said, just holding that mirror up for us and helping us to see some of these blind spots and, uh, and, and understand, um, you know, the importance of self-awareness and that. So you, you guys have been so crucial for us uh, here, but also just for the entire organization. So great work. Yeah. Awesome. Really you guys pouring into our people nonstop. Yeah. Thank you enough, Drew, Jordan. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Really All right, guys, stay safe. Keep that hand, hand sanitizer going and uh, keep innovating into the future. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Awesome.
Okay, friends, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Head to 0to5000.com for exclusive tools to grow your business. That's Z-E-R-O-T-O-5000.com.